everybody. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the only podcast that exists to prove people wrong. No, that exists. They've and they all say, been wiped out. But what do we do? Well, we actually exist for a specific purpose, and that is to prove people wrong when they say this. Sequels are never better than the originals. That's exactly what we do here. And uh, we are covering a series that won our bracket, um, and it is the Underworld series. A series that has been much requested by one member of my family. One person that has a lot of wonderful friends. Yes, and they all... they Who all have not seen the series, I'm sure. Yeah, so you're, you're having a pretty strong reaction to <laughs> Underworld, Jordan. Um, no, this movie was much better than the first one. Still did not like it, but much, much better. Yeah, I... And you know why they have so many of them? I thought about this today. There are so many of these gosh darn movies because they keep creating more. They keep just flesh, like not fleshing. They keep spitting out exposition. Uh We're only a movie too, but they can't help but give us a backstory. Uh They're obsessed with it and they never, they like don't align, but they just love spitting out info. So they're like, well, there's a movie. There's a movie. There's a movie. There's a movie. Yeah. But here's what's weird. So in the last movie, they were like, hey, here's how all the vampires and werewolves started and also this random human thing. And then in this movie, they were like, hey, so remember how we explained that? We're going to explain it some more. And then but the not next... exactly like we did the first time. Right, and then the next movie is a prequel about the war. So I'm like, it's not that they're expanding the mythology, it's that they just are like, are you sure you guys get this thing? We could have gotten it the first time one time if it was written correctly. Yeah. <laughs> written well. But, um... Right off the bat, I did like this movie a lot more than the previous movie. Uh-huh. Um, fairly significantly. And I was pretty shocked that it was the same director because the movie looked way better. Yeah, the action was better. The action was way better, which maybe we'll get into more specifically. But um, before we do that, let's talk about who made it. Um, this movie was directed by Len Wiseman, who directed the last one. The screenplay is by Danny McBride, not that Danny McBride, who did the last one. The story is by Len and Danny, who did the last one, mm-hmm. along with that other guy. Um, the cinematography is Simon Dugan, who did iRobot, Live Free or Die Hard, Nicolas Cage's Knowing. This would be, a don't, I did not like how it looked. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind how it looked. It was too blue. Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't mind like the the cinematography by any means. I, I thought they did a good job of making it a little more horror-y than the previous sure. one. Yeah. Um but I mean it could it could definitely be better. But there was a couple like shots and action sequences where I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Which is kind of more than I was expecting after the previous entry. Yeah. I mean the bar has been really lowered. Yeah. <laughs> uh Simon Dugan also did Mummy Three and Hacksaw Ridge. The music is by Marco Beltrami, who we've talked about on Scream and also uh, Fear Street and many other movies. And though this is not a memorable score, I do not think this... I I did notice during the movie, I was like, this score is at least competent. Yeah. Because the last movie was the most incompetent score I'd ever heard in a movie, I think. Um, So that was a big upgrade. (laughs) The movie was put in a good, really great place to release a movie, January 20th, 2006, 
uh, in case you don't know, folks. Oh, okay. I'm being I'm, facetious. I'm trying to think of historically, like, what happened that day. But no, you just mean movie-wise. Never a good time to release. That's where you dump. That's where you dump. Occasionally, you'll get a Megan here and there for fun. I, it feels like uh, Jason Blum is trying to kind of, like, take... Capitalize on it. Yeah, take Januaries and be like, we're going to have a nice, fun, cheesy horror movie. What helped was didn't Get Out come out in February? Yeah. So Part maybe that kind of, like... Blumhouse. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, maybe that kind of cued in the idea. Yeah. Um, but also February is Black History Month, and that movie's very okay. yeah. You know about yeah. that experience, and because I, I remember they released Black Panther, and they in made February. a big deal that yeah. they like it was in Black History Month. Uh-huh. So, um, that could be part of that yeah. as well. But Jason's sitting there, and he's like, "Hmm, not that Jason." But Jason Blum is sitting there, and he's like, "Hmm, I got an idea. Let's try out January, Megan." Show it to him. Um, this movie had a $45 million budget. It made 62 in the U.S. Okay. and it made 113 worldwide. Okay, made a lot of money. So they thought, let's make another those, one. It's those boobs. It is those boobs. Um, so there's really not a lot about this movie, um, unfortunately. I did find that... Len Weissman said that they conceived it as a trilogy. Okay. And we sort of mapped out an entire history and story, a massive collection of well, ideas. Again, they never went made it past the first draft. They did the first draft and they were like, yeah, great. <laughs> and stories that we're putting out at a certain times. Um, so, you know. But then I also found this that I found very, very funny. More due to where culture has come okay. with studio blockbuster movies okay. because I think I watch this movie and I watch Underworld and and I think there's actually a surprising amount of practicality in these movies from what I'm what I would assume they would do today and there's a critic for the New York Times Jeanette uh, Katsolis and she criticized the film Steel Blue Filter agreed and she described the movie as a monotonous barrage of computer generated fur and fangs Oh, honey. And it's like, whoa, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. It's nothing but computerized fur and fangs. Yeah. And um the that Marvel special that came out Werewolf uh, by Night. That was practical. I mean, I know Some not it, yeah. all of it, but like they had a suit. Right? I think so. They they definitely had a suit for um Swamp or Man thing. Yeah. Cuz I remember seeing behind the scenes and I was like, that was real? Oh, wow. I don't think I knew that. It was like puppeted dang guy uh, yeah yeah that's cool that, that was i mean that would be weird i feel like if you're making more of a horror bent marvel little special but you know mm-hmm. it, it's a little horror uh it would be stupid if they didn't well this is make it some uh, practical somehow the the very funny was that cool i remember it being really cool yeah it was cool i i think i think it to me i was like oh that was fun i, yeah. I don't think i was like blown away by it um but it was certainly good yeah um you know, it's the classic Marvel thing that happens all the time where they're like, we're doing a horror thing. And you watch it and you're like, okay, it's kind of horror. You know what I mean? Like, it never really fully commits. Yeah. Um, but that one was maybe the most out there thing that they A little that bit, done. though. What do you expect from Marvel? No, I know. But it's like, you know, it's like how everyone says Winter Soldier's really a 70s espionage movie. Oh. And you're like, yeah, but when you watch a 70s espionage movie, it's nothing like winter soldier that's a superhero movie you know what i mean it's like yeah i I don't know i i don't think that usually when they say that they're secretly like another genre they're usually not really that Uh much 
Um, like how Ant Man's like a heist movie. Yeah, and it's or like so it not really. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't like follow the rules of heist movies. Yeah. Um, what well, kind of does? See our episodes on that. But anyway, um, but Werewolf by Night, good. It's fun. Um, and it is probably the most closely associated with the genre that it's riffing on than anything else they've released potentially right off the top. But yeah. you mentioned computer graphics. I mentioned computer graphics and uh, you know, we were, we both listened recently to blank checks. Um, they live. Yeah. Episode on they live. And one of the guests said something really interesting because, you know, there's always like anti CGI and then there's pro CGI and you know, much like anything, a balance of both can be fine. But one of them said in a totally not, like trying to start something bad kind of way. He just said, can you think of an instance in a horror movie, that genre where computer graphics heightened the experience? And if it was practical, it would have lessened the experience. And they cited a couple examples. I didn't I'm know already forgetting some that they said though. Yeah. I guess there's a, there's a like demon and conjuring two that's pretty interesting that's what it sounded like yeah yeah and it sounded like physically you couldn't do it oh yeah they did talk about that and then i thought man i'm gonna i gotta watch the movie one of these days i have started that movie more than once and i don't know what it is but i just like am not in the mood ever to watch it and that's still one it's becoming a me thing yeah it is it's not becoming it is a me thing it's like the devil's making you do it (laughs) um but yeah, uh, and and I was kind of thinking in my head, and I think very specifically the horror genre, it's really hard to make CGI as exciting as practicality. What do you think about it? That was another one they did. Yeah, I, I think not all of it, but some of it for what it was. Yeah, CGI, I thought. I, I think. I'm, I think particularly the ending of the first movie was a yeah. really good use of CG. Yeah. For for horror. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I think for the most part, they actually did pretty good, Yeah, but there were still many sequences in both of those movies that I thought if this was practical, I would like this more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to think of examples that are, that are good even today. Cause even like, uh, we are good, big defenders. We're good defenders. We're big defenders of the new Halloween trilogy that are quite controversial. Um, I think those movies are great, but I do think there's too much CGI, especially in kills and ends. Oh, okay. There's just a, like a lot of the blood is CG and, okay. and stuff like that. Um, from my memory anyway. Okay. And, and, um, there's, it's still like, I think there's just too much CGI in it. Yeah. Like, because even, you know, we watched, uh, Halloween four the other day and, um, that, that's a bad example cause they kind of don't show most of the kills in that movie. No, it's kind of funny. But it's it's always more exciting in slashers. In slashers, I I don't think people well, should use the, CGI. That's what we talked. We watched Beetlejuice recently. Yes, we did. And it, it, apparently, they're making a new one or a sequel. Um, and you said, I think you said, like it sucks that the sandworm's gonna be CGI. Yeah, it sucks that like a lot of the movie will probably be C. I just don't see how Burton, especially when would so when I was looking when I was reading about that movie at like three in the morning. Yeah. the other day. Can um, can you tell people about that? thing that happens now or no that i have the, to wake up in the middle of the night to feed a baby and you just use i just look at i just look at whatever uh, we watched the i night just before. read about whatever movie we watched <laughs> yeah. that evening so beetlejuice was up so at like 7 a.m i'm like finishing up coffee and stuff and she's like okay so here's the thing in beetlejuice there was this thing you remember that scene where <laughs> yeah and i love it so 
I, I think if I remember right, I mean, I, it was intentional for Tim Burton to make it as B movie as possible. The like, especially though the like the really? sandworm stuff and like effects stuff just to go hard on B movie. Yeah. Stuff. I imagine that part of that was also budget. Yeah. I can never remember where that was well, before this movie came out before Batman. I think this is the movie before Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't this his second movie? Isn't it Pee Wee then Beetlejuice? Pee Wee's his first movie. Yeah, man, I never, I can never keep his movies straight. Well, and that was a pretty big hit. So Beetlejuice yeah. was like, okay, you got a little bit of a carte blanche. Yeah. And then Batman, of course. Then it's like he's riding that the rest of his career. Yeah, but that was like a point for him to make a B movie, apparently. Yeah. B movie esque, so cheesy. That's his love for Ed Wood, probably showing. Yeah, but with this new movie, is he making the new movie? Apparently, yes. Yeah. Um. It just sucks because you know he's not going to do that. I know. At all. I, I did. Th- so, okay. Let's just tell people what we're doing. So on Patreon, for the rest of this year, we're finishing up some series. We're doing Howl's Moving Castle this month. And then we're doing the Ghost Rider movies. Um, but then next year, we are doing an in-depth study because our Patreon podcast is just two- movies with two entries. So next year, we're doing an in-depth study, six series that only have two entries, but they're specifically legacy sequels. So it's something like, we'll cover Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, things like that. And it's all kind of in anticipation of Beetlejuice. Because oh, it is? <laughs> th- that's what gave me the idea. Because oh, I knew okay. Beetlejuice 2 was coming out, and I thought, you know what? It'd be interesting to just explore this topic. Yeah. Because there's so many different ways that people have handled that. Some are great. Some are absolutely terrible. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into that. So that's your teaser. But all that to say, uh, when we watched Beetlejuice the other night, I thought it it is slightly possible that this could work. But my fear is they're going to go the Top Gun Maverick route, which hardly ever works, though I love Top Gun Maverick, where they go, let's remake the first movie and just solely ride this on nostalgia, but provide enough new and... like interesting people into remembering that the first movie was good yeah when the first movie is just kind of okay i mean it's good it's not great yeah you know but like top gun is like kind of the same plot and everything but like there's so much passion and there's so many cool stunts and there's so much extra stuff that makes it bombastic and exciting that it enhances both but i fear that beetlejuice 2 they're going to be like remember winona dryder remember writer what did i say dryder dryder Do and they're going to be like, remember the sandworms? Remember this person? Do we know uh, that if know. the sec- sequel is take is it like a Hawaiian flair? I've seen an image and it looks suburban. Okay, because that was his original, like when Beetlejuice, yeah, Beetlejuice came Beetlejuice out. Yeah, Beetlejuice goes to and, Hawaii. Yeah, it was like an immediate green light for a sequel and it would have been Beetlejuice in Hawaii. Yeah, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But, I don't um, want it. Yeah, I think it's too perfect, and I think it's been too long to do a sequel. Yeah. I really think the movie's going to be terrible. Yeah. You had mentioned, though, like... Too much reverence. I think they're going to give too much reverence to everything, and that's going to be a problem. And that's one of those funny things where it's like, is nothing sacred? And the the issue is everything's sacred. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, what was I going to say? Oh, and you had mentioned that maybe that movie could work if it was if Michael Keaton was the only returning cast member. That's what I thought. A and, new bioexorcist. But I, bio I have exorcist. seen that Winona Ryder's attached. She shouldn't be in it. No. Why would because why would you they know deal that with Alec Baldwin again? and Gina Davis won't be? Yeah. Or it'll be Gina Davis. No, I don't think she acts know. anymore. 
I think she's like out of Hollywood. Probably. I think. I, but yeah. It just doesn't like, it's just silly. The yeah. legacy sequels are tough. So all of next year, that's the topic we're going to be studying on our Patreon podcast. So you should definitely sign up for as little as $3, get a free trial, etc. But uh, tell me about who's in Underworld after that. Underworld Evolution. I don't know if we ever actually said the title. Yeah. So playing Marcus, who was referenced to several times in the last movie, we finally get to see him, played by Tony Curran. Curran. I don't know how you say it. Um, he is in, I saw uh, 24. You He's, said that. You were like, I bet that guy's been in 24. I did say that. Um, wow. And he's in Secret Invasion, not in Vikings, but in Sons okay. of Anarchy. So it's either okay. one or the other, and he's in that one. Okay. Just seems like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, well, you watch enough things, and you start thinking that you could be good at a, as a casting director. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also in Your Honor, The Calling. He does voice acting um, for stuff like Transformers, and uh, I think it was uh, video games. Um, Ray Donovan. Mm. a world of world of warcraft um and voice acting or the movie voice acting okay cool um i saw a little trivia about him in this movie that it was it was stipulated in his contract that he would wear fangs even while not filming and um that person's a piece of work that's true (laughs) and um would have hated to work with that i I really got to get into character of a giant bat um, okay, so I'm going to need a funded trip to Peru where there's these famous bats so I can live in the caves of Peru. And I don't even know if there's bats in Peru. Aren't there bats everywhere? Right. I think so. But anyway, woof. Uh, he's not even a werewolf. Yeah. Um, I hope that that's just one of those IMDb trivias that's not true. Oh, I think he's in Blade 2 as well. Really? I think I saw that, but... Uh, Come on. Can you look? Well, no, I can do it. I have it right here. You have it right there. I don't even have IMDb open on my phone. Bless you, Yeah, baby. he's in Blade 2. Oh, okay. He's Priest. Okay. So he must be on the team? Must be. Um, I bet he's on the bad team. Oh, okay. Or no, wait. The No, no. There was their, just one Their team. team turns out to be bad. That's the whole oh, thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Derek Jacoby plays Cor- Corvinus. Um, he's in Gladiator. That's how I recognized him yeah. i believe also dead again gosford park anonymous um good omens sandman who's erasmus fry oh can you look up the character yeah yeah because i also could not remember that um and then a million of other a million other things um and then stephen mcintosh plays tannis that's okay. the guy we thought was paul bettany yeah. Um, he is also in The Jacket, Memphis Bell, um, The Pact. Oh, oh, okay. He's the guy that the writer gets the muse from, who's had it locked in his mansion for years. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, Stephen McIntosh. I've said enough. Um, I know I did not mention anything that you and I would have known him from, but we did recognize him. I'm not doing a deep dive. Um, Brian Steele plays William, the the big werewolf. Um, he is also in Hellboy. He is a predator in Predators. Oh, very cool. He's in Doom. Um, Your Highness. <laughs> David plays, Gordon Green he movie. He plays a Minotaur. <laughs> um, so and, he, and another, and a Danny McBride movie, but so, <laughs> that Danny McBride. So he... That movie sucks, right? That's what, all I've heard, yeah. Okay. Um, 
so there's oh who's the who's the Guillermo del Toro guy? The, oh boy? No, the 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 long skinny guy who's in what we do in the shadows and he's always in makeup. Uh, what's oh, Doug name? Jones. So Doug Jones is the skinny guy you hire, and then if you want a beefy guy, you hire this I guy. Yes. Yeah. What's his name again? Brian Steele, uh, with an E at the end. He's also in the MCU. Brian Steele? And you know, here, okay. All right, I'm laying my cards on the table. Brian Steele, MVP of the entire series so far. The werewolf costume and the way that he's moving. Yeah, he looks awesome. I, he's so cool. I took this movie to, I, I gave it a heart on Letterboxd because, because, and simply because of the werewolf design yeah. and how he acted. You have not seen Anchorman 2? I I saw some of it and then left in Did the you theater. get to a part where there's a were hyena? I don't think so. Okay, so you can't explain that to me. No. So, um, that's about it. We have a lot of returning people. Yeah. Um, I saw that the little girl in um, Celine's flashbacks is her daughter, her and Michael Sheen's daughter. Oh, yeah, I forgot that they were together. Yep. So, the movie begins, and there is a title card that explains the Corvinus strain, the werewolves, the vampires, and their fighting. Now, while that is quite clunky to start a movie with a title card and is rarely the correct thing to do, but sometimes it works. Worked for this one because we were lost. I was so thankful because uh, my biggest complaint about the last movie is I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who to care for, except for the fact that I knew who the main character was. And this movie right away, I was like, you, this title card should have been at the beginning of the last movie. But here's a question I have. Yeah. In the last movie, they said there were three brothers. Mm Mm-hmm. One that's immortal, yeah. one that's a vampire, one that's a werewolf, yeah. Origins. Yeah. And their dad is this dude that, like, survived this plague. Yeah. And gave birth to these three sons. Yes. In this movie, they have completely abandoned the idea of this third son. Yeah. So, I mean, I know partly there's no, like, he has nothing to do with the story. Yeah. But I think they also forgot, and they just made the dad the immortal one. But yeah. they said there were three brothers, right? They, they did. said that. So I was like, did I misunderstand that? Because so in the last movie, I had to look up that whole thing because it was presented so confusingly. And then in this movie, they explain it quite nicely, but they don't mention anything about the third brother. So I went to fandom.com, of course, the Underworld Wiki page. And I was looking up, is it Anthony Cor- Corvinus or whoever the dad's name Alexander, is? Alexander, I think. Yeah. And he does have a, a son, and that's who Scott Speedman is the descendant of. Descendant of, and that's why they were able to, okay, create but a in hybrid. This movie, they were just like goodbye. Like that person yeah. is, from, from all accounts, doesn't didn't exist. It's just it, this series so far, and this movie falls under the same like sin. It's so hilarious that that. Like it's a lot of cool ideas, but they're just not well thought out. They're not. And and it, it and there's really there's more than one person working on this. Yeah. But it but it really makes you appreciate like your Christopher Nolans and your J.R.R. Tolkens and stuff, where it's like, yeah, like they they create rules and they have to follow them. Yeah. You know? And and this is pretty willy nilly I mean, like about the said, rules. Without rules, there's chaos. <laughs> um so this so then to get right off the bat to get this out of the way yeah this yeah. move so the first movie there's a reason I mentioned J.R.R. told yeah, so, <laughs> so the first movie is like oh these people are kind of riding on the tails of Matrix ripping off would be a strong word but a correct yeah I'm one. trying to put it delicately but yeah this movie is ripping off Lord of the Rings 
so much to the point that in th- throughout this movie, they're like people. I think they're like in the process of becoming a werewolf, and they straight up look like an orc. They look. They like, look like it orcs. looks like they acquired, uh, uh-huh. discarded. Uh-huh orc costumes that like were slightly damaged in the making for Lord of the Rings and they weren't good enough for production. So they, so these, they, they like got them at a discount. Uh huh. That's what they look like. And this scene was even shot like that. They're the, the garbs that they're like the armor that they're wearing On, is they, like, Oh, you're from Gondor. It, no, no. They look like the writers of Rohirrim. Yeah. Like, like they actually, it was, I'm pretty sure it's like the same the design same discount. There's maybe they probably were banged up a little bit during the making of, and they weren't suitable for production, and now they're being sold at discount. It, it was and they swooped it. It was <laughs> like I was kind of surprised. I'm like, this has got to be a New Line Cinema movie, right? Because yeah. this is crazy. It was bananas. And they even like I promise you, they studied the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah. Because the lighting looked similar. Like oh a gosh. lot of the shots looked similar, and I was like, this is, and and again. Like all artists take what they know and what their influences and then they create their own vision. But but there's a difference between doing that and being like, hey, I'm just I, I'm just gonna do a Lord of the Rings scene in my movie. Yeah. It, it was it was wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think that there's scenes in the the rings of power show that look less like lord of the rings than this scene looked like (laughs) yeah it was wild yeah so it starts off and it and it shows i mean it looked good because it's lord of the rings looks good um but uh it showed this sequence back in like the eighth century or something like that where um the corvinus brothers like the the dad and then the vampire one Marcus, they show up somewhere and they see it's been attacked. Oh, the dad by was with them. I thought it was Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Oh no, it was. Him. It was. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Victor. Um, who I think drank his way through the movie, which yeah. is so mean to say. I don't. That's so rude. But um, he sounded a little off. He did sound a little. And he off. does. Yeah, I don't need to get into it. But um, he, just a lot of slurring of the speech. It just seemed like maybe he owed someone some money, or he really was interested in buying something expensive. Yes. Because there was no passion in that performance. So, um, from my understanding, this town had been ravaged upon by werewolves. Yes. So these vampires came to it. Oh, no. This is what it was. I'm now just realizing it. His brother, William, ravaged the town. Yeah. Um, so these vampires came, and they're like, we got to kill all these people. Well, we, yeah. I Or, like, whatever you do to kill a werewolf, I guess. Uh-huh. Before they turn into werewolves. Well, later in history, we'll shoot them with bullets, and that's how we Don't get them. me started about that. That's later. So they start, like, <laughs> hacking up people, but they're too late. All these people are turning into werewolves, Yeah. now it's this big action sequence. And then off in the woods, they have captured his brother, William, Yeah. who we kind of see, not much. Uh-huh. Um, but they're, that, they capture him there, and they're going to imprison him for eternity because he can't control himself. Yeah. So the thing, so this is a criticism I have on the movie too. His brother <laughs> is a werewolf and can never not be a werewolf because he's like the first. Yeah. And this movie's called Evolution. We all know what that means. Yeah. So um, basically, they're imprisoning him for like the world's safety, but also it's a power play. Yeah. Um, Marcus, we see later on in our present day, he he looks freaking cool. Yeah, you guy that guy probably had twelve hours of makeup to look the way he looked. Yeah. It was awesome, very bat like. Yeah. Um, and so he's the first vampire. 
So yeah. he does look like that. We get to see him use his claws to That's do things. That's not like, why he looks like that, though, Jordan. Why? I, I'm sorry to cut you off because... But don't you think by the logic of the movie, like, he should always look like that? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's what I'm getting at. Oh, oh yeah, and I see your point because... Because the one, werewolf always has to be a werewolf. Yeah. He should always have to look like that monster. Absolutely. Like a Nosferatu kind of thing. Yes. Absolutely. I 100% agree. But what I found out, because later in this movie, Celine and um, uh, Michael are in this fight, and he says, he's a hybrid, right? And she goes, yeah. And then we go... Later, in, like, within yeah. 10 minutes... She says, you're the only hybrid there's ever been. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? They're here? using the word hybrid fast and loose. So then I Google it because I'm confused. There was a scene, a sequence earlier, and I just thought it had to do with blood memories. I didn't realize that it changed him, where the werewolf guy who explained the whole Corvinus thing in the last movie, his blood went down into Marcus's tomb <sighs> yeah. and turned him into the hybrid, and that's why he looks like a bat. Because he has werewolf in him. That's why he looks like a bat, Jordan. Can you believe that? It doesn't make any sense at all. No, it doesn't. I was dr- leaning down to get a baby. Yeah, no, I covered it, it pretty well. It makes no sense. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. Um, so, okay, so here, here is, I'm going to give a, a pro, a point to Underworld Evolution, the sequel to the moderately successful underworld, which is I do always enjoy when a sequel takes place immediately after Mm -hmm. the first movie. I think that's fun. Yeah. And in this movie, they do something that you pointed out that is also cool where you kind of expect, because it's like, okay, Marcus is out. Uh, Celine is a fugitive from the vampires and the werewolves. Basically it's a bit of a John wick kind of situation. It's like everybody is, after her now and um they get they take care of craven right away but yeah that was the point where it's like marcus just kills craven like immediately and you kind of thought oh he's gonna be like the bad guy of this movie or he has more to do or something and they they don't even for a movie that's so for so far two movies are so poorly written they uh smartly got rid of someone who has nothing else to do yeah rather than like convolute of reason right right So and boy, did they get rid of him! Movie is gorier, and I say thumbs up. Yeah, to that. Yeah, and it is funny that every time there's action, there's like flashing lights. But I think it works. It's also, I, like I think that. a time thing, uh, back then thing. Um, but it makes it more horror-y than the last one. Yes, instead no, of just this movie looks more horror-y. <laughs> That's a terrible word. <laughs> ho- ho- <laughs> this movie a, is a more lot ho- more horror-y. Shot more like a horror thing. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, gosh, I forgot. Well, and don't you feel like this movie, it's it's not really a movie. It's a film, Jordan. Don't it's you a think, film. Don't you think it's a film? Uh, yeah, so there's this other concept in the movie. I'm, I'm speaking more about the movie conceptually in, in a lot of ways because... You sort of have to. You sort of have to. To try and figure out the choices people are making. Now, there's this thing they introduce in this movie that I think they follow it through to its end... So it's like, it does actually follow the rules of this series, but I don't like it at all. And that is something called blood memories. Oh, yeah. They they kind of did it in the last movie, but I didn't realize it like to this extent. Lazy. That's all it is. It's lazy. So in order for, for certain characters to learn certain information, they just randomly threw in, if a vampire drinks someone's blood, they just have their memories. 
Yeah. And they just did it. It's, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would ever like it, but I could see a world where maybe you explain it better or do something better with it that it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You're drinking that person's life force. You're, you're getting their life literally including their memories. Yeah. This is just a lazy vehicle for them to get information. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's- also I, I, I've been wagging my finger a lot while watching these movies and I'm doing it right now. I don't care for vampires drinking the blood of other vampires. Yeah. What's that? I, I don't, maybe that's a thing or something. I don't, why would it ever need to be a thing? You know what I mean? I, so I don't like it. I like to think that vampires are like bloodless and that's what they're bloodless. They're always craving life, the life force of someone else, yeah. which is the blood. Um, and they never have it. I don't like to think of them as bloodless, but, but not like, it's like their pulse is slow kind of a, th- a vibe. That That's what I get. What I, what I imagine. I'd like to think they have no pulse cause they're undead. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but the, the, they did a fun thing in what we do in the shadows this last season. That makes me think of this where Guillermo, uh, tries to turn early, but he's like not turning properly. So the whole season, they're trying to figure out why he isn't like a full vampire. Mm-hmm. And they do do this experiment. And I know that what we do in the shadows is not necessarily the rule book to vampires, but it is funny because they they play on the rules. They have. Yeah, they have a scene where it's like, well, maybe let's bite a vampire a second time and see if that like what happens. A vampire bites him a second time. No, no. Remember, they, they do an experiment where a vampire bites another vampire and the vampire explodes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's the thing in yeah. um, interview the vampire? Um, um, Brad Pitt gets bit by Tom. Yeah. And Brad Pitt drinks Tom's blood. Like he drinks a vampire's blood is it so, to kind of like, oh, I don't remember that. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's you're, you're, so you're trying to find out if there is some sort of rule that, that is maybe a little more classical kind of uh how do vampires work in interview with a vampire? how do vampires work you're gonna get such a long article on how they work and then it's like Anne rice versus the movie versus the tv show you know no no no, no. well I, I want the Anne rice one because it's probably just what they did in the movie and the tv show maybe you never know with adaptions this is you know proof of that if it was an adaption <laughs> i'm trying to cover i know i'm trying to cover so bad i don't want to edit this in between spot so i'm going to keep on talking um we're going to get through this and okay here we go the process of converting a human to a vampire is often referred to as the dark gift can you more toward the mic <laughs> and is regarded as a okay profoundly in yeah okay the feeding act is highly yeah we know that um the process begins with prolonged feeding periods sometimes over this okay <sighs> Gosh, I'm bored. I'm going to look up something as well while as you As a do vampire that. drains the human's arteries almost dry, it is normal for the victim to experience severe symptoms of fatigue. Oh my gosh, it's like reading a medical journal. <laughs> um, okay, I've lost interest. <laughs> it, it was just paragraph and paragraph, and it's hard to do it while recording a podcast. Yeah, when a vampire is bitten by another vampire, the venom from the teeth will create a permanent bite mark, usually invisible to human eyes, and the pain is supposedly stinging but eventually passing. By licking the venom on an open wound or the edge of a dismembered limb, the wounds will heal successfully. Did you just randomly Google this? Yeah, what happens when a vampire bites a vampire? It depends. If the vampire that bites a healthy vampire is injured, they're usually able to heal the injuries. 
Although so Brad Pitt wasn't something. a vampire yet when he was bit by Tom Cruise. That's what turned him. I'm just trying to remember how he was turned. I feel like that was part of it. This is so boring. Let's just keep going. We should keep going. But I, no, I agree with you. I don't like and how not, they do it in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It no good. Yeah. It, it's again, it just feels so not thought out. No. And it, it everything feels convenient. Yeah. It, it just feels but it doesn't make sense. So it, it like bites him in the butt. Right. I'm trying to think of like a like an analog because, you know, like Christopher Nolan is so plot based. Yeah. But like his his movies follow the rules that they set out. So it'd be like an inception if just halfway through or something, they're just like, oh, actually, we can just, you know, like leave this stage of the dream. Because yeah. I don't know, because of this reason, and you're like, yeah. you set up all of these rules, and now you're just you just broke them. You yeah, yeah, I know. And so, this movie has to be so plot heavy because of the lore. So right. when it, when it doesn't really make sense, your movie crumbles, right? Or the story crumbles, and the lore is not doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So either. throughout this movie, throughout going back to. A, underworld evolution the movie that we're talking about yeah today um throughout it we keep going back to this old dude who's like on a ship which i like the set yeah the set's cool there's some good sets in this there movie. are especially the last scene i really liked that the last set, set was awesome because it, it looked it was real yeah it was tangible. It looked like an indiana jones type set it, it was, was on the right of indiana great. jones going across that bridge and oh my gosh is it gonna collapse underneath us yeah um but we keep going to this guy who's old um and frail even no he doesn't look know. frail um and he is like kind of picking up the pieces of the events of the last movie trying to figure out what's happening yeah. somehow he gets the bodies of lucian uh and victor and other yeah. people like he knows these things that are happening he's kind of investigating what's happening yeah which leads him basically he's trying to track down his son I guess. Yeah, so he's we find out later in the movie that he is the original Corvinus. He's Alexander. Yeah. The um, dad of Marcus and William. Yeah. Which I I actually when they revealed that I thought I, I was like that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to just like bash these movies. I do think that there is some stuff in them. Yeah. And so like you know, in the last movie, we complained a lot how it felt like every 20 minutes there was kind of a reveal. Yeah. And it felt like this movie was much more streamlined. Yeah. And, and that was like the big reveal. And yeah. that, that felt earned. And I was on board for that. Yeah. So he, when he has Victor's body, he is um, like doing an autopsy, essentially. Yeah. Um, and just, and we see this like weird contraption in his heart area. Cool interesting uh, contraption on your sternum i'm in yeah and then throughout this movie celine and dion i'm kidding dion celine dion oh. <laughs> uh, celine and michael michael S played by scott speedman have this necklace thing that lucian wore in the last movie basically these things connect they create a key and they're that's what's gonna free william yeah i so like this idea so like the the big plot of the movie is william Big vampire. No, werewolf. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Marcus, big vampire, is... He loves his brother, and he wants to, like... He wants to free him. Set him free, and they've, like, constantly kept him down because his animal urges he would never be able to, like, not destroy stuff. Question. 
Well, it, well, let me one second, real quick. And so, like this this overarching view of the the plot of this movie, where it's where it's kind of again, it's kind of an Indiana Jones plot, where it's like there's just like two keys, there's a relic, we gotta keep it safe and keep it hidden, and then it unleashes a beast at the end. I actually think that's great, and I like that much more than the previous plot. Two questions. Yeah. First question. In the last movie, they said the war was started because Lucian and his girl, I know his his girlfriend, wife, lover, who was a vampire. He was a werewolf. She was killed because she was pregnant with their hybrid child. Yeah. And it's like, we can't have this. And her dad kills her. Yeah. Victor. And that's what starts the war is this like Romeo and Juliet thing. Yeah. And it is. And they have rewritten that for this movie. Correct. They're now saying that the war started with William and Marcus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Second question. Well, I, so I think if I give them the benefit of the doubt, there was kind of a little bit of this when you get to the scene with the orgy vampire where it's like, I think the idea is there was like an original war. They capture William. War is over. And now the werewolves are subservient to the vampires. Okay. I'll get on board with that. And so they live like that for a while. And then the illusion and then, thing happens. And that's like the war. Got it, so, got it, got it. I get that. I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. That's fine. Second question. Yeah. Okay, maybe that answers my first your no, second no, no, no. question. No, no, no. Okay, wait. Question second question. <laughs> so um in our the beginning of the movie with the Lord of the Rings flashback thing. Yes, 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 yes. Um yes. they capture William and they're going to imprison him, even though Marcus is like, no, no, no. Yeah. What happens to Marcus at the end of that scene? He uh lives on as a vampire. So he's just fine with it for like they, they placate him for a while and then he so. goes into his sleep and then was his plan this whole time to get out of his sleep. I know he was, a well, he was supposed to be awoken now. Yeah. So was his whole plan like once I awaken, I'm going to finally free my brother or did he get all those blood memories of what's happening and he's like, screw it. I'm going to free my brother. I can't. I don't know. This probably was explained. I'm just not quite remembering. I don't know. I you don't think I don't explained? think we need to give them the benefit that okay. they explain one of these details. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um, good point, though. So, uh, basically, Scott Speedman, who is Michael. I uh, love saying his name. I, I do love saying his name. He and Celine are, you know, running away with the key, and they're they're trying to get away from Michael. Now, there is an action sequence. I got to give credit where credit's due. It's cool. They're driving away in a semi, and Marcus is flying around the semi. It looks, a lot of it looks actually pretty practical. And the way the vampire is moving and stuff, I just haven't seen an action scene like yeah. that. And I thought it was cool. Yeah. In that scene, he is able to get the key, I think. Yes. Um, I think. Or no, they knock him off and they have the key still. Okay. Yeah, because um, the, ne- the next time they, they see him, he gets it. And then this leads to some steam. I am telling you. But before that, there's more things that are like just kind of like hee hee funny vampire stuff. And okay, wait, wait. There's a lot of B roll in this movie Uh that are like kind of showcasing like showcasing like slow motion cool vampire thing Uh over here like cool vampire claws. And they're showing it in such the most boring ways. (laughs) One thing. um, Okay, earlier when Marcus is first awakened i think and he's like going to look at security footage he like un like it's like such a cool hand Unfurls movement of his, his claws. claws and then he hunts and pecks on a keyboard 
Which, that's hilarious. That's the best scene in the movie. That's well, probably... actually, no, it's the second best okay, because there's yeah, the punch. Yeah. And then um, there's another scene with Claus that's also very funny where he does something else that's just like, that's just not cool. But the claws are cool. <laughs> right, right. I and think then, I wrote it down, so I'll point it out when we get there. And then, so that this scene when Celine and Scott Speedman get to the warehouse. Yeah. Um, she is burned because the sun's coming out. Yeah. And he, I, I'll backtrack to this thing, but he puts her in like a locker oh, container. Oh, this is so And then dumb. he runs to the bathroom. And yeah. like pulls the fire, the first aid kit off the wall, and it's in slow. They like it's it's one of those things like we're obsessed with. Maybe during this time uh-huh. where it's like normal frame rate, and then they slow it down right as well, he rips it off the let wall. Let me just see and it's why like, you're why talking. Why does this have to be a big dramatic thing? I, I think there's a reason why it might have been sl- slow, slow motion. Well, no, this would have come out earlier in the year, but 300 did come out later that same year. That's the culprit. That's what I'm thinking of. But, 300 loved doing that. Oh, that's a Zack Snyder thing. But it came out later in the year. Oh, okay. Because remember this, they dumped it in January. Okay. So. That is such a Zack Snyder thing. But, um. And, and <laughs> I wrote this, I wrote painting windows, my favorite scene of the series. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell, so tell them about she, this. Like I said, is burnt from the sun and they, they race into this warehouse and he's like, stay in the car or something. And he runs out and is closing doors and everything. Then he looks at this big window that the sunlight's coming in and he's like, how can I cover this window? <gasps> Look at all this paint. And, oh, this is the other claw yeah, thing. This is so the he other gets claw his thing. claws out and the, 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 he's just puncturing paint cans with his yeah, claws yeah, yeah. and it looks, they do it like three or four times. It's so dumb looking. And he's like throwing paint on the, on the window and it's, and then very after. inaccurately. Just, very slow motion, very dramatic. And then after that, he goes and he puts a tarp over her and runs her into like this, like a uh, like cargo, cargo container. Shipping container. And it's like, I think you could have just put the tarp over her and she'd be fine. And then immediately and, after that, he takes it off and she's already healed. Yeah. That was a minute and a half wasted of and, screen and, time. And I don't I don't like getting caught up in what I would dub cinema sins of movies. Yeah. But this is so ludicrous, I can't we can't help but point it out. Oh, it's be, so it, it funny. It is so funny and it it I doubt that there is gonna be a scene in this series I will like more than Scott Speedman, who is Michael Corvinus, uh throwing paint on a window. Because it it's so He's basically going like, Ugh, I Ugh. painted our bathroom earlier this year and it took three, maybe four coats to make it white. And it's pretty hard to keep it even just dumping paint on a window. It's not going to work. <laughs> it is not going to work. I promise oh you. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. And then Micah, f- funny enough, Micah and I, the two little naive kids that we are, we our had a, eyes were glued to the we screen had a for little, this next part. We had a little bit of a for the side sex bet. part. Yeah, because we they, were trying to bet which nudity there would be. Cause it, yes, because yes, because the, the MPAA said there's nudity. I'm yeah, sorry, and we're like, oh my gosh, is she gonna go full frontal or something? Show her boobs, something? Not full but, frontal. But, I never. Yeah, thought I, that. I didn't think that either. I don't know why I said that. But like, it's Kate Beckinsale, pretty big, uh, and and it's just so fascinating throughout film when people are naked and how that affects their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, yeah, it's just so fascinating. Like it's killed people's careers. Uh You can argue because of them going nude at the, at all or at the wrong time in their career Mm -hmm. to go nude. Um, But as pointed out by uh, David Sims on a episode of blank check, I don't remember which one he said, it's funny how in America it can like make or break someone. Yeah. 
and it's it's this huge thing but then in like france they're like oh yeah i did like a topless scene just the other day and i'm like the biggest french actress in the world who cares yeah <laughs> it's just so like because totally of the, different the cultural basically of our culture it's just so fascinating yeah yeah so oh it was the episode on the gift because they were talking about the sam raimi movie the yeah. gift they were talking about how what is her oh, name? Katie, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes Man, did a lot of nudity. Goes naked, and it is bad. Well, and it 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 like is part of the reason maybe why her career didn't take off. Yes, it's what they argued. In Very that fascinating, episode. and I would agree, especially the nature of which she did it, which I know yeah. you and I have talked about because she's basically Kitty in Arrested Development, and she's like, "Say goodbye to these." <laughs> <laughs> She's so bad. That movie's so boring. It was not good. It um, was not a good Sam Raimi movie. Okay, but in this movie, they're getting it on, and we're yeah. our eyes are just glued because we're like, is she going to do it? And she, they both are very naked, but they like artfully cover things up. Yeah, I read that the scene was much longer. Yeah. Um, and but Kate, Kate Beckinsale requested that a lot of it get cut, a lot of the nudity yeah. get cut. So yes, she is fully naked, but you really don't see anything yeah um later on you get the boobs if you're worried and you're like where where is this nudity i didn't really get my nudity you will get it (laughs) well it it, it's also fascinating just on like a macro level because like rated r movies in like the early 2000s and 90s would just like have nudity like like yeah lock stock like they would just have nudity two smoking barrels um, which I believe there's nudity in, by the way. Mm. But now it's uh, there's just a lot less nudity in movies, American films anyway. And so it's it's funny because when I saw there was nudity in this movie, this is so funny that we're just harping on this topic. But it's fascinating if you it, think about it. It is, and and I just thought like, you know what? This does seem like the type of movie that could have nudity. But if it was made today, I don't think they would even like think of anything nudity to put in. I the movie. think that her costumes would be much more sexy yeah. and there would be no nudity funny enough yeah if it was made today i do think that yeah and i don't even mean like her boobs yeah, are yeah, hanging yeah. out. i just think it'll it would show the female figure more yeah because still it, in this movie she, there's not much other than her wearing like high heel boots here's what's nuts though so celine and maybe vampires have special powers that that give them like um like powder over their skin or something to keep them from sh- chafing because oh. she's wearing yeah, all leather. Yeah, he and she's wearing nothing. She's and she's commando. completely nude under the suit. Yeah. Which, could you imagine That's if for the you, movie, if, Micah. If you, That's if, what, as they say, movie magic. But, like, if you... No, I can't. If you ripped a pretty bad fart. She probably was wearing so... <laughs> and then she's you have, like, so poop much the leather. baby powder <laughs> on her, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but as you pointed out, it's probably a spandex like pleather situation i think so i think so yeah yeah which would make a lot more sense especially yeah i think we're out of the leather thing yeah um and i wrote does she have a child oh i we were trying to bet if in one of the future movies she'd be pregnant they will have a werewolf but we know that vampires can get pregnant because lucian's lover was pregnant yeah so i think here's my guess i think Episode four of the series, A New Hope, is going to be the, well, actually, it'd be episode one. Episode one of the series, The Phantom Menace, I believe is going, and that's only a joke for Mike Combs. I believe that movie 
like the p- plot will be either she is pregnant or she has had a child or is going to have a and child. And they have to protect it because it's yeah. going to be a hybrid. And it's also called Awakening, Underworld Awakening. So it'll it's be like, even more of a threat because of she becomes even more powerful in this movie. Yeah, and do we know what those powers are or what they do? Oh, no. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Do they seem to have any effect on the story? No, no, no. Nope. Nope. But, you know, anyway. So then they go and they visit Discount Paul Bettany. Yeah, man, it really took several uh, shots before Mike and I confirmed that it was not him. It looked so much like him. Um, but he is in exile, and yeah. he, for like 300 years, and he's supposed to have, you know, have no contact with anybody. Guy's been busy, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, not only with the ladies. And he's been listening to one of the worst rock songs I've ever heard what in my life. What was it? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. It was just like a very... It actually seemed even dated for 2006, where yeah. it was like kind of like an old <laughs> Nine Inch Nails sound, but not yeah. by them, so it doesn't sound good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, but he also has like werewolf pets. Yeah, um, so that's kind of fun. They they need to go to him to get information. Oh b- boy, we need more exposition. Yeah, he's like the librarian or something yeah. in a way. So um, they get try and there, figure out what the name of that song was, and they are separated. She is like. Put, put through this trap door and these werewolves are coming at her and she kills both of them. And then, um, Michael kills another werewolf. Um, I'd say both pretty good, pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, pretty gory. Mimi likey. I, um, so I think that this song is probably called the undertaker and it's, it's written by Pussifier and Danny loner. Well, sounds like the perfect song for that scene. <laughs> then. <laughs> These are words I never thought I would say on a podcast, uh, but here we are. So they finally make it in. Uh, they do kill the vampire girls, um, and they talk to this guy. Yeah. Hmm. And and he's he's like, hey, remember, there's this guy named Corvinus, and he explains, oh, he explains like, the plot again. for like the sixth time. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he... Am so, I stupid? <laughs> well... Again, it's so funny because the first movie, we were like, what is going on in this? This movie's like, remember the last movie and then remember what we explained. And, and I'm like, okay, I looked it up on Wikipedia. At this point, I don't need you to tell me what this is again. Also, you were telling us so much and it actually is working against you because it makes everything more confusing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but then in, in this scene, um, he's explaining stuff and... He's explaining specifically, though, the the imprisonment of William, which and that's where new it information. It, it does pertain to Celine because her father, like they, they do a little bit more backstory for her. Yeah. Her father is the one who built the prison that yeah. William is currently in. Therefore like her and, and she knows, and she's the only one who knows where it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hope no one gets her blood memories. <laughs> yeah. But, but what's, what's a really funny detail that you and I were, were laughing about is, so in the last movie, we find out that Victor was like double playing her the whole time. In this movie, every vampire is like, "Oh, so you found out that Victor like killed your family on purpose?" Oh, yeah, everyone knew he was lying to so her. So no one told for her. Hundreds, like six hundred years, and yeah. no one thought to tell her at any point. Like, hey, I actually think it's pretty screwed up what they're doing to you. They're lying to you. I, I also think it hurts the first movie that like like it's cool that Lucian knows and yeah. Victor knows and and Craven. Like those three people can know. Yeah. But, like, having, like, Marcus know, and then having this guy know. This is a random guy. Yeah. Everyone knows. knows. Everyone knows. And I think there was another vampire as well that's like, oh, you found out. Okay. Yeah. 
I was like, like, oh, you're up to speed. Okay, so we don't have to like pretend anymore. Cool. Like, I, I can that. I can That's delete awful. that unread me- email that I've had sitting on my computer <laughs> reminding me not to talk right? about this. Um, it's like whenever they have a meeting at the end, and it's like, and let the minutes reflect that uh, <laughs> we still will not tell Celine the secret to who she is as a vampire. And then another thing that's just this this speaks to the writing of this movie, where he says, you know. There's there's two types of truth or something like that. He's like, or there's like the there's history. He's like, there's, there's history and then there's herstory. <laughs> he's like, there's there's history of what you've been told and then there's the truth. And then he proceeds to explain the Corvinus thing and that Marcus is the first vampire. And this is what Celine says. Oh, so the legends are true. And I was like. We know this information. She knows this information she know- too. This isn't new to her. Is she stupid? And it sounds like it sounds like everyone just knows this information. So I, I don't know why this is like a reveal to her. Uh yeah. I don't know either. It's guys. crazy. But they learn the imprisonment thing, and so they go next to Alexander, right? But how do they get to him? They uh well, they don't turn into bats, unfortunately. No. But they, yeah, they make it to him somehow. Do they know to get to him, or are they, like, captured by him? I can't quite remember. Oh, I think this place is infiltrated by his people. Yeah. And they swoop him them up. Yeah. So she's, her and uh, Michael are with this guy now. Great. Morse backstory. <laughs> um, I, I do like, though... That, like, I was kind of expecting this to be a third enemy, or I guess a second enemy, but he's, like, not a bad guy. No. And, and that I was do, cool. I do, like, so we learned that's the dad of Marcus and William, and yeah. Celine's like, okay, so you can kill them. Yeah. Or, you know, you can get rid of them, but I'm also confused by this. Okay, this is something I'm also confused by. No, we'll get it to it. We'll get to it later. Um, So something I like about... I. I guess his care. I don't know. It's something that Celine's like wrestling with, with this guy is he, he's unwilling to necessarily do what needs to be done. Kill his sons. Because it's his sons. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so they're, they're there and learning all this stuff. And she's like, the only thing that can be done is he must be killed. Yeah. He's too powerful. He's too mad. Um, if he unleashes his brother, who knows what will happen. Right. So while that's happening, Marcus shows up yep. and they have a fight. He impales Michael on something. A, something. Um, and then Celine fights him, but she's no match for him. And this is kind of the stuff that I just don't think was illustrated very well, mm-hmm. where it's like she's no match for him. And then it's like, they say like she, she can never beat him. Like no one can, like no one's strong enough to fight him or yeah. beat him. And it's like, they can't figure out anything. Well, to figure, but to what's stop cool him? is when he flies in, there is a shot. Okay. Where, I mean, it's the real actor and it's like a wire, like he's on a wire and in the corner, there's like people on this boat and he swings his left arm and hits this guy. <laughs> And this guy goes flying, and then he comes and like kills the guy who's at the forefront of the of the camera. It's the it's the funniest thing. We watched it, I think, three or four times, just like <laughs> laughing. It was so silly. It was great. And then he comes in and kills his dad. Um, but not before. So yeah, he like kills. He steals the key. Oh yeah. So I now skipped. he's in possession of that. And then Celine's like, "I told you so." 
Yeah. And then the guy's like, drink my blood and you will be powerful and you can defeat him, which I just don't think they showcase very well. Um, yeah. So she drinks his blood and now she has Cor- the strength Cor- of Venus an immortal human. I don't know what that means. And they news. They don't so, show her use like new powers. No. Or anything. Which brings me to my next thing. Yeah. That I hate about this series. I know it's a strong word, but yeah. I, that's how I feel. The guns. Yes. Please. So this guy is some super vampire and all we can think to do is just shoot him. Yeah. When we know that does diddly squat. And then later on in the big fight scene, tune, fight scene two, uh-huh. uh, werewolf gets unleashed, William, which we've established looks badass. And yeah. all they can think to do is shoot, is shoot him. And punch it. All these people like got ready, suited up in a helicopter, ready to go. And all they brought were some guns. Yeah. They couldn't figure out, like, oh, this is the weapon that can take him down. Well, this this is, like, such a blockbuster issue. Yeah. And, and it makes me think of comic book movies and thereby comic books. Where, like, and, and I'm going to cite a movie that my sister doesn't like, funny enough. Uh, but, like, Doctor Strange, I think, is a good example of this. The movie's going along. And it's like, how are they going to stop Dormammu? And it's, and you think, okay, it's going to be, one. yeah, it's going to be another like big fight and like deactivate the beam or whatever. But instead he traps him in a time loop. And I'm like, that is clever and therefore interesting and a use of Dr. Strange's powers. So it's actually, to me, one of the more memorable endings to any of the Marvel movies because it's su- it's such a thing. It's so wild. Yeah. And even even like Iron Man, that's or not Iron Man. Um Endgame, that is like you got to punch. They they got to just like fight Thanos at the end, but they have to get this glove away from him, which is so practical, you know what they're doing. Like in this movie, they got to get the key away. But then it's like Iron Man has to use that key, which is the glove, and snap his fingers and like make it happen to destroy Thanos. And that is clever, I think. And and yeah. it's a good use and it's good problem solving. Yeah. Like like another thing, um, and this is a silly example, but like one of in the comics, one of Spider Man's first fights with Sandman, he defeats him by vacuuming him. <laughs> and that's yeah. so silly, but it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. this movie's like, oh, it's a vampire. Maybe they're gonna figure out a way to like, you know, impale this Wouldn't vampire. Would that be more interesting? But to do like, it to do it traditionally to figure out a way to traditionally yeah. do it. whether or not it's like they're fighting them fighting forever and they're she ran out of bullets so she's reduced to using this wooden plank. Yeah. Well, and even in the first movie she defeats Victor by cutting his head off, which isn't like how you defeat a vampire. Yeah. And and in and, and in this movie it's like she she pushes him into a helicopter and it chops him up. And that actually looked cool. I was actually kind of into that. Yeah. But it, it's also like, but that's not how you defeat a vampire. And I, again, you know what I'm I saying? just don't think they illustrated well that she drinks this guy's blood and now she's stronger. Okay. So now she can punch him a couple more times and he punches her and she yeah, doesn't fall down I didn't as fast. see what it did to create. No. To make her stronger no. at all. And it's again, it's just so annoying that it's just like shooting and shooting and shooting. And it's yeah. like, I, oh my gosh, it's so boring. Well, and, and that is, I mean, maybe that's why the next movie will pop more because it is a prequel. Guns haven't been invented yet. So it will be like swords will be the weapon yeah. of choice. And arrows. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's just, you know, I, 
I mean, we so recently watched Blade for this podcast, even though for us it was like six months ago. But it, it's just like stark the contrast, and even even in Blade, Blade Two, pretty much has this kind of thing where it's like here's an elite group of like people who shoot vampires and stuff, but they they just do it in a much more interesting way. See our episode on Blade Two, yeah. Um, and this is this just feels like boring gunplay. Yeah, I mean I, I his mean, whole thing too. His name's Blade. He uses yeah. blades. Well, I think I think it's the difference between like like a run of the mill action gun movie where they have tons of guns and you're like, okay, cool, I get it, and like John Wick. John Wick has a ton of guns. That's gun gun foo is like the thing, right? Yeah, That's what they but say. like each of those movies, you see it done in such interesting ways yeah. that typically you're not bored by it. Yeah. Oh, honey, I am not bored by it. Yeah. Man, the times this year I have just randomly thought of John Wick 4. I know. A it's lot. Great. It's great. A lot. It's still really high on my list of this year's movies. Oh, my gosh. It's so, it was yeah. so good. It was so good. And it's so helped that we had just recently been to Paris. Yeah. Because that scene was so much more fun. Yeah. We watched it back to back and stopped our recording, went and saw it again so that we could finish recording. <laughs> I know. It was so good. I think that's like a three hour episode we did or something like that. <laughs> I think it's our longest main feed episode we've ever done. Wow. Only to be beaten by our episode with Jeremy Eden on the Batman. But that was only on Patreon. Mm. And that episode, I think, was three hours. <laughs> as long really? as that movie. Uh, I think it was. There's three hours worth of things to say about. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that that's, I mean, I guess we kind of like talked about the movie. Gnarly how Michael defeats the werewolf just rips half of its head off. Yeah. Which again, like that, a little anticlimactic. That's cool, but it, it's not like problem solving. No. And, and I it's think, just a test of strength and he just was stronger and he won and it's I like, mean, okay, fine. But couldn't we, I don't know. It could have been more creative. Let's let's go back to John Wick for a second. Okay. John Wick 1. He gets to the bad guy and they just fight in the rain. I I think it's one of the least exciting action sequences in the whole series. Yeah. I love John Wick 1, okay? John Wick 4. He gets to the end. He has to duel Bill Skarsgård who then uses Donnie Yen. They do this whole thing and they have he problem solves a way to not kill Donnie Yen. And also kill Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. So the climax of that movie, I think, is like 10 times better than the first movie, which many argue is the best John Wick movie. Like, John Wick 4 did problem solving, so the ending was much more satisfying. And that's yeah. that's kind of, I, I think I'm making this up as I go here, but I do think that's like how you make a good action climax is you have to solve a problem instead of just punch your way out of it. Yeah. You know, even Captain Marvel, I feel like, is another example of a movie where the ending of that was like a reversal almost. Remember Jude Law's like, fight me like a man, like, don't use your powers. And she goes, nah, and just like zaps him. Oh, okay. And it was like, oh, that was like a weird yeah. reversal of it. And that's a, like a different way of problem solving yeah. and interesting. I do think since this movie is like 20 years old now, yeah. there is part of that where it's like, we haven't. We're not there yet to do right. You know, I'm I'm comparing it to John Wick, which is like a response to these type of movies for 20 years. Yeah, you know what I mean. So there's that. I think you can still criticize it though. For Absolutely, being, for being anticlimactic, and I think they could have figured it out. 
use the gun on the werewolf with a silver bullet. I don't <laughs> in, in an interesting way. I don't know. Yeah. Don't just like rip its head off. I don't know. Yeah. Even if it does look cool. But I I'll say it again. I like this movie because there's a funny vampire punch. A vampire hunts and pecks on a keyboard. Uh, a man inexplicably throws paint all over a window, and the 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 werewolf in this looks absolutely stunning. And for those four reasons, I like this movie, <laughs> and it'll be tough to top, I think, of yeah. this series. Well, hopefully, the next movie, since it's a prequel, we'll get that werewolf again. Oh yeah, at some point. Oh yeah, we probably will. I'm nervous about the prequel though because they've already gone over the Corvinus thing I know. ad nauseum. I know. So I kind of don't need it anymore. No, I don't. I surely didn't need it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, they're going to rope uh, Bill Nye back into the series. Like, let the guy go. Let, <laughs> let him let him alone, please. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. That's, I mean, did, we kind of blew past the third act, but I. But also, like, what else is more to the. Yeah. I, again, like the sets. I like the, the cool, like, snowy, mountainous, like, yeah. ruins of this little town thing that they went to the image that imagery was cool um yeah yeah that that stuff was great especially compared to the last movie it, it does look like they had more money to do, to put into that kind of stuff yeah definitely um but i didn't like it the movie no i i don't think it's a good movie yeah uh but but I, but it was an improvement i will say i i don't know if i said this last episode or not but i was always convinced that these were based on video games because Resident Evil came out around the same time, and I thought these were video games. And looking at the covers as we're getting them from the library, I go, it's no wonder I thought these were video games, because they look like video game covers, yeah. and this one especially. Yeah. So I think when I would like look it up on IMDb or something, I just assume like three out of four of these were actually you know, video games mm-hmm. or something. But it's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe we talked what about that last episode. What country are they in this movie? Did we um, ever talk about that? Um... Like Romania or something? Unobtainium? Mm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have no clue where they are. Okay. Um, Did they ever say? They had to have said. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Sorry. I don't care. But but you know what I like? I like that this movie doesn't do the dumb thing where it's like, at 10 miles outside of Czechoslovakia. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, does this pertain to the plot at all? You don't need to tell me where this is. Well, sometimes it's important. Sometimes it is, but I would say probably at least 60% of movies could not have those in movies. Especially when... You I, know what? They I probably didn't tell before. us because in the first movie, we don't even know what city it takes place in. No. It's Underworld. Oh. Okay. But, but it's that funny thing where, like, they show the Eiffel Tower and it says Paris, France, and you're like... Yeah, <laughs> like you don't have to do that when you show like one of the most famous monuments ever erected. What what like franchise is it? I feel like we've covered it on here where the, like almost felt like every se- I think it might have been Fast and it Furious. It was X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. It was like a different location like every 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, it was like and it would it specified every time and a lot of times it was like London and you're looking at Big Ben and you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Like I'm also duh. why are we jumping around everywhere? <laughs> yeah. Oh, remember how bad X Men Apocalypse was? I don't want to think about it ever again. Yeah, this movie is like the Godfather compared oh, to X Men yeah. Apocalypse. Yeah. Um. So next week it is Underworld Rise of the Lycans. That's my Ri- guess. Yeah, Rise of the Lycans. Are you serious? Is that the title? Yeah. 
I made that up. No, you did not. I did. Maybe I saw it somewhere. You must have seen it because that's so specific. <laughs> is that, it though? It is Rise of the Lycans, yeah. But um, they don't say Lycans very much in this movie, if at all. They said it's so much less. Yeah. Yeah. What What's up with that? But this month on Patreon, you can listen to our episode on Howl's Moving Castle. Um, and then next month we're going to be doing the Ghost Rider one, and then December Ghost Rider two. Uh. Yeah, go sign up for Patreon. Link in the description. We are still trying to get to 50 patrons by mm-hmm. the end of the year. I'd like to think that by now it's happened. But um, then we launched the Pixar podcast in addition to everything else. Uh, sign up. Sign up. Sign up. Sign up three times each. <laughs> no, I don't know. But please sign up. Um, sign up. <laughs> I'm begging you. Uh, but yeah, and then next week, yes, Rise of the Lichens. And looking at my calendar, I saw that last Friday uh, I would have seen Killers of the Flower Moon and the Thursday before you did. So I'm just here to tell you, everybody, it's the best movie of the year, even though we're recording this a month earlier. But I'm assuming it's the best movie of the year and one of Scorsese's best, which is crazy. You're going to remind me that I am seeing that movie because I will 100% forget. I will. Okay. Yeah, funny thing for the listener... The movie is actually three and a half hours long, 3.35, I think, I'm not being facetious, uh, which I'm very excited about, but with a baby, that makes it complicated. So Jordan is going to see it before me, and then the next day, I'm going to see it. We're seeing it on two separate days so that it would be way too hard to have someone babysit for like four, four and a half hours at this stage of the baby's Uh development. So that's funny. See you next week. See ya. (laughs) 